Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Many of you um, were here and were a part of that Old Testament live event that we did back in March here. Quite a number of you, okay? That's great. How many of you remember most of the 40 hand signals that uh, we learned in order to keep track of all those events in the Old Testament? Yeah, <laughs> me neither. Yeah. Well, the text that we're looking at here in Deuteronomy uh, fits in a section of something we learned there, and I know a few hand signals because I looked them up online here just recently, and, and, and so it, it fits in this section that went like this, Moses, Passover, Law, Tabernacle, Offerings and Feasts, Counting, Spying, Wandering, Dying, Second Law. That's as much as I can do. I, I point that out, though, because Deuteronomy 11 is right after then Moses led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and, and, and God showed his power with that miraculous Red Sea crossing. It's after God gave the Ten Commandments and instructions on worship. It's after the book of Numbers and, and them counting the people there in the wilderness. It's after the 12 men went to spy on Canaan, and came back with a report that there are giants in the land and we don't know if we should go in there. And it's after that God then allowed the Israelites, because of their unbelief, to then wander out in the wilderness for 40 years and a whole generation died out there. And just after God had Moses then again declare the Ten Commandments to the people that were left, that was the second giving of the law. And this is right before the Israelites are at last then allowed to enter that land that God had promised them. Uh, Moses then stops with the people there and gives them some very important reminders. And, and he tells them, and, and he tells us today too then, this. Always remember God's word and his attributes and his saving actions. Now why does Moses say that? It's because we humans tend to forget things. Now, I don't know about you, but I sure do. Um, Sometimes I forget where I leave my glasses. That happened just this morning. I was in the pew up here, all disoriented, and realized I didn't have my glasses. I'd left them back at the booth. Sometimes I forget why I walked into another room. Sometimes I forget who I was going to call on the phone. Just this last week, I forgot a breakfast appointment. But more important than all of that, we forget some things concerning God. And so Moses reminds us here about God, and he says here, first of all this, you know his charge to you. Verse 1, you shall love the Lord your God and always keep his charge. So what's God's charge to his people? Well, what follows in, in this text are, are some different terms um, for, for the same thing, really. Um, we, ordinances, statutes, and commandments. Um, there's a little difference uh, concerning them. Um, so ordinances, that's his rules. 
um, it's actually a legal term for decisions of a judge. And God is, of course, the ultimate judge of all mankind, and his decisions are always just. Statutes, um, don't forget his statutes. Well, that's the things that he has prescribed as due. Um, things that are written as a decree. And God gave the Ten Commandments. Um, they were written down on stone so that they couldn't be easily discarded or destroyed like a piece of paper. And, and they were his permanent decrees then for mankind on earth. His commandments, that's things that are charged or commanded by God then. And so summed up then, God's people were charged with loving the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and mind, and loving their neighbor as their self. And those things weren't to be optional. They were God's word. They were his command. And when we fail to keep his commandments, then we should be bothered in our conscience. And we should even anticipate there may be consequences for that. And so Moses says here, you know God's word, his commands. Always remember those things. He also says you know his attributes or his character traits. You know what God is like. Verse 2. He's reminding them, know this day that I'm not speaking with your sons who haven't known or haven't seen these things. I'm telling you, not your sons here, remember these things that you know and that you have seen. And he, he lists some, the discipline of the Lord. Um, you know how he corrects those that he loves. His greatness, you, you know that there is no one greater anywhere. And his mighty hand. That there is nothing that he cannot do. And then his outstretched arm. And how he stretches out his arm in compassion to all who are in need. And who humble themselves before him. You know those things about God from, from your own ex life experience. You know what he is like. And those qualities are his attributes. And they reveal him and his character. And he also says, and you have seen his powerful actions. His signs and works, for instance, in connection with Egypt, in verses 3 and 4 here, he mentions in how he sent plagues on Pharaoh and all of the land of Egypt so that at last Pharaoh would let the Israelites go. And how after then they had, they had left Egypt and, and they came to the Red Sea then, God parted the sea, allowing the Israelites to cross right through on dry land and then making the Red Sea come back and engulf Egypt's army horses and chariots. You know that. You've seen that, he says. And you've seen his dealing with Israel in the wilderness as well, and how at one point then he opened up the ground and swallowed up some who had rebelled and disobeyed. You have seen God powerfully act. And he sums this part up then by saying in verse 7, but your own eyes have seen all of the great work of the Lord, which he did. All the great work of the Lord. That's maybe a good summary for, for us as well. We who are God's people here today have also seen God do some amazing things for us. And, and so stop and think about some examples of that, maybe in your own life today or in your family situation or, or in our community or even our nation. God, has, has he provided for you in some amazing ways, even for you and your family over the years? Has God protected somebody in your family um, from what could have been a fatality? Has he brought healing to someone in your family from what could have been fatal? Um, he, di he did 
He did protect us in various ways. I think of one example early on when I first moved here uh, back in 2009, how he protected Fargo-Moorhead um, from what could have been a catastrophic flood back then. And I've said after that, you know, it was God and the college and high school students that saved Fargo-Moorhead. God did something amazing there. <clears throat> he, he did uh, guide our nation way back at its founding and those founding fathers establishing a constitutional republic that was based on godly principles? Has he not blessed and protected our nation in the midst of natural disasters and world wars and even caused us to flourish more than any nation on earth? Don't forget those things. Remind yourself of them often as they reveal our powerful God to us afresh. And don't forget the most amazing action of God on our behalf the salvation that he has given us in Christ, and how through the gift of his Son, God rescued us from our sin and our guilt and took on himself on the cross our just punishment. Don't forget those things. Always remember God's word, his attributes, and his saving actions. And then secondly, let them serve as a motivation then to live in a blessed relationship with him resulting in some things that we see next year in verses 8 through 12. And, and let me just say this, so that we, we tend to lose our motivation to live in a relationship with God. How about you? Do you ever lose motivation to do some things? I sure do. Sometimes I start reading a book, and I lose my motivation to finish it. Sometimes I start a building project, and I lose my motivation to keep going on it. Sometimes we might pursue being a part of some group of people and, and then lose interest in being a part of that. Sometimes that might happen in our individual relationships as well. And those things are minor, though, compared to losing our motivation for living in relationship with God. It's possible, you see, to start out strong as a new Christian, full of zeal to live for the Lord. But things come along, and they test our faith and, and our resolve. Well, remembering God's word and his attributes and his saving actions can help us. They can serve as a motivation then to continue on in that relationship with him. And, and Moses brings up then some related things for the children of Israel here. And I think we can draw some spiritual parallels um, for us today as well. Moses says that living in a relationship with God and seeking his commandments will enable them to be strong and to possess that land. And the Israelites would not have been able to take on the enemy nations that, that lived in the promised land and conquer them without relying on God's power all the way through that. But if they would rely on God's power, then he promised them that he would prolong their days in that promised land. And he reminded them here then that, that this land that they would be receiving from God's hand was a land that was way better than Egypt. In Egypt, they were slaves. In the promised land, they'd be free. In Egypt, they needed um, really a ditch irrigation system to bring water from the Nile to the fields. And that involved then constant work on the part of the human slave labor force. But not so, he's saying, in the promised land that God was going to give them. It would be a land that was watered by God. It would be a land that, verse 11 here, he says, drinks water from the rain of heaven. A land that the Lord cares about and cares for throughout the year. Verse 12 here. And all these things then were unique promises to the children of Israel 
as they prepared then to enter into that promised land. And they were, you might say, conditional promises as well, dependent on then their willingness to obey the Lord's commandments and to continue to live in a relationship with him. But there are some very interesting parallels for our Christian life today as well. If we remain strong, that is, if we stay in the Christian faith till we breathe our last, then we will one day possess that ultimate promised land of heaven. And our days there will truly be prolonged. They will be for all eternity. And it will be a land that is far better than Egypt or any other nation on earth ever, including the United States of America. And it will be a land that God cares for in all seasons, a, a land with no more floods or droughts or blizzards or hurricanes or tornadoes or wildfires. Always remember then God's word, his attributes, and his saving actions, and let them serve as motivation to continue to live in a relationship with him, knowing his blessing in the midst of the challenges of this life, and always looking forward to and anticipating that ultimate promised land of heaven someday. But thirdly then, this. Regularly compare the results of listening and obeying versus being deceived and turning away. Now, why should we do that? Well, it's because we humans are easily deceived and distracted. Or is that just me? You know, I can be just going to do a quick check on my emails, and I end up reading a news article or two or three or more. I can just check Facebook Marketplace because, you know, I posted some things for sale, and i got to see if anybody's interested in them. And I end up instead looking at some potential cabin to get away to, uh, to rent with the uh, VRBO. You know, that tech world knows that we are easily distracted, and so it is built in these links and cookies to appeal to that distractible consumer appetite. And we are also easily deceived, and so we end up then listening to and hearing a lot of appealing messages, and sometimes believing then some things that aren't even true. And that's certainly the case in the political realm these days, but also regarding things that even affect our relationship with God. And we can have every intention, for instance, of, of having this daily pattern of a personal devotional time in the morning with God. But as soon as we turn on our phone or our computer, something else might distract us away from time with the Lord. One of the strong impressions left on my heart from uh, my time away for a couple days by myself last week was that value of, of hearing something from God's Word even before focusing on the newspaper or the news uh, networks or other things. You see, the result of listening too much to sources of this world is that we can then begin to believe and even live according to some things that are even contrary to God's word. And we end up then going down a path we didn't plan to go. Moses here encourages the people of God to regularly compare those two paths. Listening to and obeying God versus being deceived and turning away from him. And he's saying to them then, be encouraged that a life of listening to and loving and serving God will experience his blessing. And so he points that out here in verses uh, 13 to 15, for the children of Israel, that blessing then would include receiving rain in its seasons, early and late 
um, just when it was needed to produce crops and, and a result and a good harvest. And also, he, he would bless them with grass in the pastures for their cattle, verse 15 here, which would then mean that God's people would have plenty uh, for themselves as well to eat and to be satisfied. And, and Moses also reminds the children of Israel though, that the opposite is also true. And, and he warns them here then, beware. Beware of your heart being deceived and turning away from the Lord. And for them then, being deceived and turning away from God would result in, he's saying, that the Lord in anger would shut up the heavens so that there wouldn't be any rain. And the ground would not yield its fruit. And they would become hungry. And ultimately even perish from the good land that he had given them. And what a sad and unnecessary state that would be. But if we are not watchful, and we allow ourselves to be deceived, and we turn away from God, we too can end up then not reaching the promised land of heaven. So as you think about this last part here, these last verses, what conclusions can we draw based on this scripture uh, about the present drought situation here in the Midwest? Uh, first of all, let me just say that I, I do see some interesting similarities. Uh, the Red River Valley, to me, is a, is a bit like the Promised Land of Israel in that it has been a place with often extraordinary crops, um, almost always getting those seasonable rains, even when other areas seem to be drier. So should we then conclude that this present drought is due to people in this area turning away from God? Or, or maybe due to much of our nation doing that? Is it a judgment on individual farmers or on whole communities or even on our nation? Any of those are possibilities. But God alone fully knows um, human hearts. And, and he asks each of us to just examine our own. J.A. Thompson in his commentary on Deuteronomy tells us um, that here's some things we do know. He, he says we do know that, that nature itself is under God's sovereignty and, and the phenomena of nature then are in some way an expression of his will. And, and he goes on to say this, and I quote, If a faithful people could learn by means of this doctrine to give thanks to God for every bountiful harvest and allow every natural misfortune to become an occasion for heart-searching and repentance for any evil thing in their lives, then the doctrine, despite its difficulties, is not merely one that gives light on God as judge, but also of considerable practical importance. He goes on to say also this, and nature is not independent of God. A rich pro productivity in flock and field is a cause for gratitude and praise to God, and seasons of drought and low agricultural yield are powerful stimuli to forsake all known evil. If prosperity makes men forgetful, ungrateful, and complacent, while the lack of natural and material blessings leads men to repentance, then these latter are a blessing in disguise." End quote. I also do know this, that, that God invites us to pray. And, and somehow, a, a bit mysteriously you would say, our humble prayers are powerful even to move the heart of God. And we know that he has a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. We just told that here. And, and that he stretches out in compassion then to all who are in need. 
and will humble themselves before him. And, and we know that he's done so in the past, answering the prayer, for instance, of Moses and the children of Israel there at the Red Sea, where he showed an absolute masterful control then over a very large quantity of water. And if, as we are told in James, that was read earlier here, how Elijah was really a man um, of nature, a lot like ours, forgetful, easily deceived and distracted, even prone to depression, but still believing and entrusting in an all-powerful God. And if he could pray, and after a three-and-a-half-year drought, his prayer resulted in the sky pouring rain and the earth producing fruit, then it seems we ought to also humble ourselves and pray today as well. And then wait on God to hear and answer his, that prayer in his time and in his way. So in conclusion, uh, we see this in, in this text. Always remember God's word, his attributes, and saving actions. Let them serve as motivation in, in living then in that blessed relationship with him. And, and regularly put before you then, compare the results of listening to and obeying versus being deceived and turning away. May the Lord then draw us to a closer walk with him in, the, in these times of testing. And let's keep reminding each other of that and of his word and his attributes and saving actions so that they help us to continue to live in a relationship with him. We don't have to look far to see those that are totally distracted in life and are being deceived and led away from the Lord. May we instead be ones that listen to him and live in daily repentance and faith. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the vivid details you give us in Scripture of your interactions with your people in the Old Testament, as, as we looked at today. Lord, thank you that you teach us through those things. You remind us of who you are and what you've commanded and of how you desire a relationship with us. Lord, forgive us for at times when we have been distracted by many other things and pulled away from that close walk with you. Forgive us for times when we have been deceived and have fallen into sin and done things that we knew were against your commandments. Lord, help us that we would live in daily repentance and faith. And Lord, as we look at the situation around us, uh, much on our minds, Lord, is, is the intense temperatures uh, we're going through right now and the, and the drought that we're dealing with here in, in the in area wide around us here. And Lord, we humble ourselves and we ask that uh, you would be gracious and that you would grant um, needed rain very soon. Uh, we know that you have all of those things in your hands and we just come to you trusting your word and the things you teach us there and knowing we need to bring these concerns to you. And we thank you that you hear and answer our prayers and that you have an outstretched arm desiring to help us. Lord, you know each one of us, and you know the situations in our lives, other things that we may be dealing with as well. And I pray that they would be encouraged today to look to you and to know your help in whatever that is. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.